The Merry Beggars at Relevant Radio present... Episode 7, Scrooge's Unbelief. Without a pause, it came on through the heavy door and passed into the room before his eyes. The same face, the very same. Marley, in his pigtail, usual waistcoat, tights and boots, the tassels on the latter bristling like his pigtail and his coat skirts and the hair upon his head. Scrooge was still incredulous and fought against his senses. How now? What do you want with me? March. Who are you? Ask me who I was. Who were you, then? You're particular for a shade. In life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. Can you... can you sit down? I can. Do it, then. There's a chair by the fire. Scrooge asked the question because he didn't know whether a ghost so transparent might find himself in a condition to take a chair. And he felt that in the event of its being impossible, it might involve the necessity of an embarrassing explanation. But the ghost sat down on the opposite side of the fireplace, as if he were quite used to it. You don't believe in me. I don't. What evidence would you have of my reality beyond that of your senses? I don't know. Why do you doubt your senses? Because a little thing affects them. A slight disorder of the stomach makes them cheat. You may be an undigested bit of beef, a blot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, a fragment of an underdone potato. There's more of gravy than of grave about you, whatever you are. Scrooge was not much in the habit of cracking jokes, nor did he feel in his heart by any means waggish then. The truth is that he tried to be smart as a means of distracting his own attention and keeping down his terror. For the spectre's voice disturbed the very marrow in his bones. To sit, staring at those fixed, glazed eyes, in silence for a moment would play, Scrooge felt, the very deuce with him. There was something very awful, too, in the spectre's being provided with an infernal atmosphere of its own. Scrooge could not feel it himself, but this was clearly the case. For though the ghost sat perfectly motionless, its hair and skirts and tassels were still agitated as by the hot vapour from an oven. Scrooge wished, though it were only for a second, to divert the vision's stony gaze from himself. You see this toothpick? I do. You are not looking at it. But I see it, notwithstanding. Well, I have but to swallow this and be for the rest of my days persecuted by a legion of goblins, all of my own creation. Humbug, I tell you, humbug! At this, the spirit raised a frightful cry and shook its chain with such a dismal and appalling noise that Scrooge held on tight to his chair to save himself from falling in a swoon. But how much greater was his horror when the phantom, taking off the bandage round its head as if it were too warm to wear indoors, its lower jaw dropped down upon its breast. Scrooge fell upon his knees and clasped his hands before his face. Mercy! Mercy! Dreadful apparition, why do you trouble me? Man of the worldly mind, 
Do you believe in me or not? I do. I must. I believe in you. But why do spirits walk the earth and why do they come to me? It is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men and travel far and wide. And if that spirit goes not forth in life, it is condemned to do so after death. It is doomed to wander through the world. Oh, woe is me! And witness what it cannot share, but might have shared on Earth and turned to happiness. Again, the spectre raised a cry and shook its chain and wrung its shadowy hands. Subscribe at adventwithscrooge.com for the next episode of A Christmas Carol. And download a free companion guide with activities, questions, and coloring pages. Subscribe for free at adventwithscrooge.com. adventwithscrooge.com.